0: I'm Jeffrey Hoffman with Nicholas Sherlock, welcoming you guys to the second episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast. We appreciate everyone who gave our first episode a listen. Hey, look, if you're listening now, don't forget to like and subscribe on anchor.fm, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you could share this podcast, it would be a huge help. If you know anyone who's into MMA or combat sports, look, man, even if they're not, you could tell them you know a podcast with two handsome young bucks, good with their mouth words. You know what I'm saying? Why don't you give them a listen? Seriously, though, guys, we appreciate all the listens and all of the support. Nick, uh, there was some pretty big news over the weekend from the fight to win grappling
1: tournament. Absolutely, there was. Our two of our hometown boys, Professor Marcus Dempsey and Zach Cothran, both went out there to fight to win and got a couple dubs. Both got the hand raises and more interesting news that these two gentlemen are going to be opening their own gym on the West Bank, the Science of Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Uh, I've talked to Professor Marcus and I'm not going to give the exact date, but he said there should be a soft opening depending on a few things. Towards the end of the year, I look forward to big things coming from these guys. He also hit me to the idea that A bunch of Louisiana boys are going to be competing in the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam in Miami in the last week of September. So a bunch of bullies from the boot going to be heading on down to Florida.
0: Awesome. What's up with Abu Dhabi and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu?
1: Oh, it's exploded. Like they love BJJ. Last eight to
0: ten years. I I heard it was uh, like some prince that got into the sport and he made it like the national uh, identity. Like we're going to get into this. We're going to study it. We're going to host it. Awesome. Congratulations to Zach Cothran, Professor Marcus Dempsey. Nick, after our first episode, man, we got a lot of follow-up questions from listeners about your profession. Again, all right, all right. Again, yeah. For those who don't know, Nick, he's a licensed mixed martial arts referee in the state of Louisiana, professional bounty hunter. Nick, I had people reaching out to That's me. That's right, Nicky DG. It's me. <laughs> Look, they all want to know about what you do. Tell us, man. How did you get started out in the bounty hunting?
1: Oh, I mean, I guess everyone, my first introduction to Bounty hunting was actually watching Dog the Bounty Hunter. I was like, man, I want to be a bounty hunter, just like everybody else. I had no clue what the hell I was talking about or what I wanted. Uh, It actually didn't even happen until several years later. I was actually working, uh, running, I was a VIP manager at a strip club on Bourbon Street, and I just had the idea. I was like, man, I don't want to be a cop anymore. Uh, I really, I don't want to get into the actual full-time law enforcement, uh, but what else could I do to kind of feel like I'm making a difference? And I was actually friends with a guy named Myron Goday. He's a detective. He's not a detective, but he's Jefferson Parish, and he's a motorcycle cop. And yeah, he's absolute here. legend around and here. he told me, he was like, hey, I have a friend who's a bounty hunter. Why don't I set you up with him? And I met with the guy, and then that was just kind of history for me. And then ever since then, I've just been kind of, Running and gunning, bringing fugitives to justice.
0: Any advice for aspiring young bounty hunters out there?
1: Don't, don't. I mean, it's it's a very hard profession to get into because you have to know somebody that wants to put you in the game. Because by somebody apprenting, because you have to do an apprenticeship, so by somebody apprenticing you and giving you a license, and essentially, essentially, all they're doing is creating more competition.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, pretty badass man. And look, if you've got any questions. For Nick to answer, go ahead, post them in the comments, or you can drop us a line at Focus on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or FightSportFocus.com. Today's episode, we're going to recap the main event of UFC Fight Night, Edgar versus Munoz, from last Saturday. Also, we had another local event with Atlas Fights 55 yes, from Biloxi, did. Mississippi. We're going to recap Atlas 55, go into detail on a few of the matchups from last Saturday's event, and talk about some fighters from that event card. Lastly, we're going to look ahead to UFC Fight Night Smith versus Rakich this Saturday, August 29th from the UFC Apex Center and talk about some of the main card matchups. All right, let's look back at UFC Fight Night Edgar versus Munoz. Main card kicked off with Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. Rodriguez entered the UFC by way of the Contender's Series and in his debut locked up a guillotine submission win. Over Tim Means back in February, and in his third UFC appearance, took on Dwight Grant. Grant also made his way to the UFC through the Contenders Series. Grant defeated Tyler Hill from Alan Belcher MMA to get his shot with the organization. Tyler just had a fight announced on the upcoming Icon card. We're going to talk about that later in the episode. And entering this fight, Dwight Grant was coming off of a win over longtime UFC vet Lafayette native Alan Joban. Rodriguez and Grant came out swinging for the fences, man. And Rodriguez actually got hurt first. It looked like this one could have been called early with Grant on top, raining down absolute hell on Rodriguez. But apparently he did enough to stay in it, eventually returned the favor, dropping Grant twice. Looked like Grant went out on the second one. Ref came in, called the fight. Could have been that Dwight Grant just exhausted himself in those 30 to 45 seconds on top, trying to get the finish after Rodriguez recovered. Grant didn't have enough gas left in the tank to really keep himself in it. Next up, Shanna Dobson. So now we know it's Shanna and not Shanna. You get you a statement win over a good contender, and your name gets out there over Maria Agapova. Man, Dobson was a huge dog in this at plus 800. Agapova was a minus 1250 favorite. And it looked like Vegas had this one spot on in the first. Agapova was in control, had Dobson's back with the body lock, looking to lock in the rear naked, delivering damage for a good portion of the round. Agapova, though, apparently blew her load in the first, came out exhausted in the second round. Agapova got a lazy takedown, didn't have the energy to really maintain the position. Dobson got the reversal and finished on top for the big upset. Congratulations, Shanna Dobson. Nick. We talked last week about this fight being do or die for Dobson. I don't think either of us expected this out of Dobson. No, not at all.
1: I mean, it's one of them fights where you just kind of sit back and just kind of really just absorb the fight. Like, hey, like, these women are fighting for their livelihood. They're fighting for their chance to get their name out there, to be dominant, to get the higher ranking, to get the better fights, to get the bigger sponsorships. I mean, every fight's
0: do or die for these ladies. I mean, yep. it, it, it truly is. Yeah, and we saw who needed it more in that fight, which was Shannon Dobson.
1: Yeah, she went out there. She got it done. She knew what she had to do. She got it done. She faced some adversity, came on through it and got the W. So now she's looking on to she's
0: definitely going to get a ranked opponent coming up. I loved after the ref pulled her off, her walking around the octagon, octagon barking because she was the dog. <laughs> woof, woof,
1: just oh, yeah, I mean, play it up, play it up, like let them know, like sometimes it's better to be the underdog. You know, you bet on yourself, make a lot more money.
0: Next up, Austin Hubbard and Joe Selecki. We talked about this matchup on last week's episode. As one to look out for, did not disappoint. Selecki came out ready, setting the tone with a heavy left hook. Uh, Everything he threw, man, the one, two, the low kicks, everything landed. Uh, From the clinch, Selecki ended up taking Hubbard's back, got the body lock uh, in while Hubbard was still on his feet. Selecki did a great job keeping the pressure on Hubbard. Not allowing him to shake him off. Selecki managed to lock up the standing rear naked choke, becoming the first person to finish Austin Hubbard in the UFC. Nick, what do you think might be next for Joe Selecki at lightweight? Think he's ready for top 15? Um, I could see some tidy top fifteen, maybe,
1: maybe eleven to fifteen, somewhere in there. I mean, possibly another unranked yeah. up and comer. It's as just well. it's
0: such a stacked division.
1: Yeah, 55 is a pretty, pretty deep division. I think it's hard to crack rankings. I I mean, I think that he's to the point that even if he beats somebody in the top 11, I mean, the top, I mean, the top 11 to 15 guys, I don't even think he gets ranked after that. I Mm. think he, think he has to keep grinding.
0: And I think there's a lot more work he's going to have to put in before he's a household name. Still young in his UFC career. Unfortunately, Ovin St. Preu versus Alonzo Manafield was canceled on the account of OSP testing positive for the Rona. Oh, and yeah. of course, we wish him and his team speedy recovery. Thus, the co-main event of UFC Fight Night Edgar versus Munoz was Marcin Prakniau versus Mike Rodriguez. Prakniau entered the UFC by way of one fighting championship, and he came into this fight with 11 first-round finishes, man. Rodriguez made his way to the UFC through the Contenders Series, as so many guys these days have, and he entered this fight with one win, two losses, and one no contest with The organization, Pracnial leaned heavy on those low kicks, man, to start the fight, attempting to keep Rodriguez out of range, but Rodriguez managed to get inside and in the clinch, and it just seemed like Pracnial could not escape. After a few heavy knees and some short elbows from the clinch, Rodriguez got the first round KO. Now, we had a similar situation with the Muay Thai clinch that we're going to get into later in the episode when we talk about Atlas Fights 55, for those who might not know, Muay Thai clinch is when a fighter, usually standing, facing their opponent, manages to get hands around the backside of the opponent's neck, and he can effectively control his opponent's posture and head movement. And this leads to the person being very vulnerable to high knees, short elbows, which is exactly what we saw from Rodriguez. Nick, how would you teach a young fighter to break away from that Muay Thai clinch? I mean, it's extremely hard to explain, like, over a podcast, but
1: it's one of the things where you have to get distance. You have to you have to stand up tall. You have to get that head back. You have to get your hands between his. You have to break the grip. That's yep. a, particularly what do you especially do if with they have, especially if that plum, hands? Especially that plum grip. Mm-hmm. You have to fight your hands in there. You have to create that separation. You have to turn away. You have to break the grip on the back of your head because if he can control your head, he's going to do whatever he wants to you. I mean, if you look back in the day, Rick, Rich Franklin used to wreck shop at 185, and Anderson Silva effectively dismantled Rich Franklin twice with the plum, uh Muay Thai clinch. And like you said, even in Atlas, they had a couple guys in the Atlas show that had trouble with this particular uh position. I mean, it's a it's a tough position, especially if a guy yeah. has a great grip. If a guy knows how to control you in that Muay Thai grip, it's an extremely dangerous place to be.
0: Yeah. Very advantageous if you've got uh that in your arsenal. Let's move on to the main event, Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz. We talked about this matchup on last week's episode. And Nick, you said It's always hard to count out Frankie Edgar. While I agreed with that sentiment, I honestly thought Munoz was going to take this one, man. Frankie dropping down yet another 10 pounds. uh, Being this late in his career, this was a close fight. Edgar edged out the split decision. Munoz obviously not happy with the result. He's been vocal on social media, stating that 17 out of 20 media sites had given the decision to him. Seven of them scored at 49-46. Do you think Munoz has a legitimate gripe here or was it just a close fight that he lost? Well,
1: here's the problem. All those media sites aren't UFC judges, right? So their opinion means absolutely shit. Nothing. Uh, So, I mean, it was a close fight that he lost. I mean, I think that he just got outworked. I mean, Frankie was always active, always. It was a great fight on both ends. I personally wouldn't have been upset if it went to Munoz, but I'm glad that I won. I'm glad that my pick succeeded. I mean, Frankie Edgar is that guy. I mean, how can you not love Frankie Edgar? I love to see him fight. I love to see him win. That gas tank was amazing. And I think he'll actually be better in his next
0: fight at 135. Can't wait. Hard to go against, like you said, Frankie Edgar. All right, bottom bun of our fight. Sport-focused podcast po-boy has been laid down and dressed. Now let's get to the meat. Local MMA is back, and Atlas Fights had its second show over the weekend. All of the fighters and cornermen at Atlas 55 are tested for the coronavirus. Believe it or not, man, they even had to swab old Dynamite, who was ring announcing and uh, commentating uh, the fights for Fight TV, of course, alongside our friend Matt Bricker. Despite having two fighters test positive for the Rona and their fights being scrapped, show still went off with seven matchups, two of which were title fights, and the last three fights were professional. If you missed out on the event, you can check out our website, fightsportfocus.com, for the fight card and results. First matchup on that card, Juan Batiste versus Kyle Domingue. Domingue, I believe, making his MMA debut fighting out of the Gladiators Academy. This fight, I feel, really set the tone for the night with a lot of action. Uh, is, is Kyle related to JD at all? Not sure. All right. I'd be interested in find that out. From that area? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, great exchanges. A lot of action early in this fight. Domingue ended up getting the third round submission finish. You know these guys from Gladiators, uh, they're always going to have jujitsu on point. Next up, Jason Daly, Braxton King. Wow. Braxton King, man. Albeit... That dude is a specimen. Man, I'll tell you what. Fighting out of the
1: extremely tough Jaggernaut Academy.
0: Yeah, uh huh And albeit the guy he was facing might not have been particularly up to this challenge. Dude, Braxton did everything he needed to do and more. You can't control who they put in front of you, but you can control what you do with that person, right? Absolutely. Dude, and Braxton dismantled this kid. I'm talking about... rear neck choke locked in he was unconscious before they even hit the ground absolutely he's a he's a wonderful athlete he's a
1: great guy i mean i remember getting up early that saturday morning and i know when i was still fighting that i would like to try to sleep to like 1 or 2 in the afternoon try to sleep as long as possible to uh mitigate try, try to mitigate the time i'm awake till the time i actually have to fight and not braxton he was up shadow boxing on the beach bright and early like out there getting it in uh but he comes from a great camp. Uh, Professor Lang Williamson is a, another great guy. One of the strongest men I've ever met in my entire life. And he keeps those guys rare in the go. And Braxton is going to be a special, special guy. I'd keep watching this kid.
0: What do you think? Uh, he's ready for a pretty substantial increase in competition. You think he's ready to take it to the next level?
1: I think that Braxton King will fight whoever they put in front of him. I don't think that kid has any quit. I don't think he has any uh-uh in his system whatsoever. I think he's ready to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Third matchup of the night, we had New Orleans's own Cody Ziegler taking on Port City's Kenny Gover. Cody's got a great background in boxing. Stand-up is clean. He landed a solid left hook early in the fight. And after that, Kenny didn't really want any part of the stand-up, got the takedown, and after a brief scramble, dropped into the 50-50 and locked up a slick ankle lock great job kenny that was high level stuff a lot of fun to watch dude port city is always game they consistently bring guys that are ready to go nope yeah great great job kenny and uh to all the port city uh guys in the last AMI matchup on the card josh langley donzel marshall fought for the atlas fights amateur flyweight title this is the this is the fight that
1: completely
0: shocked me i didn't see it
1: going this way whatsoever i remember you and i talking about it and i was just like what no i was like what is that little kid like say it ain't so joe say it
0: ain't so look both of these guys are going to be huge trouble when they're ready to go pro they're both super athletic students of the game you and i were super high on josh coming into this fight but let me tell you donzel looked fantastic super aggressive from the start You know, and a lot of times guys come out with like that much intensity and that much aggression, they throw too much or they throw too heavy, and they end up missing. What surprised me the most was Donzel's accuracy, right? Everything he threw, he threw with purpose and it landed hands, front kicks, which I feel are one of the most underrated strikes in MMA, knees. And in those last few moments of the fight, it was that Muay Thai clinch. He went right to those high knees, landed two right to the dome, got the first round, KO, congrats, he seemed, Donzel. You seen
1: Donzel, it, He was definitely in on the outside looking in. No disrespect for Josh. He yep. looked physically stronger than mm-hmm. Josh. He looked like when he grabbed him, he was grabbed, and there was no getting away from it. He was gonna do whatever he wanted. Excellent strength for that side.
0: Obviously, there's no disrespect to Josh. I mean, you and I are both super high on him. Absolutely. Uh, everything about I love that. Kid. Everything about him, Donzel outclassed in every aspect of the fight. Absolutely. From start to finish nothing against josh it is literally everything in praise of donzel absolutely wow looking forward
1: to see both these guys climb back in i look to see forward what uh josh going back to the lab opening up the hood tinkering around getting better at certain things to see how he's Mm going to progress
0: yeah nick let me ask you so both of these guys uh huge 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 careers ahead of them uh how long do you think most guys should keep their amateur career. Do you think a few fights does it? Does it alter from fighter to I think to it alters from fighter to the fighter. And I think that that's between that fighter and that head
1: coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that head coach, I mean, it might be two fights. It might be three fights and might be 10. We, we never know. It's all between that fighter and that head coach. I mean, because I'm strongly against guys going pro that don't have the time and energy to go pro. I mean, going pro, is, it's a big deal. It's, it's not something to be taken on lightly. It's a, it's a heavy mantle to bear to say, I'm a professional fighter. This is what I do.
0: Yeah. And in amateurs, it's consequence-free practice.
1: Absolutely. That's all it is, is on-the-job training. Mm.
0: Again, big things in store for both of these young men when they're ready to go pro. And speaking of pro, first professional fight of the evening featured American top team Tampa's Carlos Espinoza. And Gladiators, Tyrek Malvo. Malvo at UFC lightweight champion, Dustin the Diamond Poirier in his corner. Man, He's a what handsome a guy, boy. Oh, man, charming. So oh, yeah.
1: He's a total package, man.
0: <laughs> He's a dreamboat. Both of these guys left everything they had in that cage. But late in the second round, Carlos really started pouring it on, putting a lot of pressure on Tyrek with takedowns and top control, making Tyrek carry that weight. And Carlos timed a really good knee right as Tyrek was lifting that hand off the canvas trying to stand back up and put Tyreek out, man, I don't think it ever gets easier seeing fighters that you kind of know personally that you follow, that you care about seeing them go out like that. That's,
1: that's one of the hardest parts of fighting. In my personal opinion is once you know, these guys and you establish a relationship with these guys and uh, it's hard to see them get out there. I used to, when I was still actively fighting, I mean, I still corner guys from time to time and watching my friends climb in the cage is far more difficult than climbing in there myself because when i'm in there the door shut i can control things once that door yeah. shuts with your friends you can scream for them but you cannot help them like they're on their own like as much as fighting is a team sport it is an individual sport it's a yeah. one-on-one effort and i think that uh Tariq will be back i think he'll be stronger uh all praise
0: to his opponent uh going out there and getting it done you know att bringing it yeah a uh, huge win for carlos Co-main event of Atlas Fights 55. We had Monroe's Jesse Butler taking on Port City's Mike Barnett. Yes, this was we a, did. Oh, man. Great fight. Uh, the only fight on the card that went to the judges. Razor close. I think uh, almost everybody had it. 19-19 going into the third. Mike came out strong to start the final round. I thought that he was going to do enough to take it. Jesse took control in the last half of that round. Did enough to get the nod. Congratulations to Jesse Butler. He took this fight on 11 days notice, fought one of the toughest guys around. Come on, man. What more could you ask? Uh, Nothing. He went out there and he did his job. Like he
1: went out there and he got it done. And uh, I'm glad Jesse went out there and showed who he is and what he is.
0: He had a big following with him too, man. Oh, like absolutely.
1: That. He, he uh, That Jim travels very well. He travels very well. He's got a good good fan base. And I think that's what kind of, he can kind of feed off that going into that, that third round where he can look out there and see people screaming their heads off for him going, You know what? I got to do this for me. I have to do this for them. You know, try to get that extra little energy burst. Just, you know, kind of just feeding off the crowd.
0: He went right from the cage into the crowd, opened up the fence, went right in, right to his people, took photos, celebrated together. Absolutely. Well-deserved. In the main event, Atlas Fight's welterweight title was up for grabs. Yes, sir. Gladiators AJ Fletcher taking on Chris Anthony. This fight had an unfortunate ending. Chris ended up breaking a foot early in the first fight began with a few brief exchanges. And out of a scramble, look, man, AJ launched in like a a killer that he is ended up locking in a guillotine right about the same time that Chris's foot gave out. So it was a situation where AJ didn't know immediately that Chris was hurt. And uh, so there were a few guys that had obviously come out there that came out there with Chris, and they were kind of like shouting some obscene things at AJ. And I'm like, look, man, First off, as soon as AJ saw that Chris was down, AJ ran over there, tried to make sure that he was okay. And Chris's corner squashed that ASAP. And I'm thinking about it. You know, AJ is one of the nicest dudes you're ever going to meet inside or outside of the cage. Uh, You're going to be hard pressed -pressed to find a dude that's as kind hearted, good willed as he is. It's such an unfortunate situation for Chris that it ended up going down that way. Uh, Great job, AJ. We wish nothing but the best for Chris and a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Continuing on, With the rebirth of live events on the Gulf Coast, Island Fights, Dean Toole is debuting a new mixed martial arts promotion. The Icon Fighting Federation will have its inaugural show on September 24th live from Biloxi, Mississippi and on UFC Fight Pass. The event will also feature live professional boxing in conjunction with Roy Jones Jr. Boxing. Four matchups have already been announced on the Icon Mixed Martial Arts card, with more to be announced soon. Thus far, we've got Dennis Hughes and Christian Lozon. Johnny Parsons versus Tyler the Zombie Hill, who we mentioned earlier in the show. Jewel Scott versus A.J. Cunningham and Reese Brink versus our guy Omar Johnson. Nick, which of these matchups are you most looking forward to so far? I know Jewel's one of your guys. Jewel Scott is what I'm looking forward to. Jewel Jewel Scott has been on a little
1: hiatus. Uh, His last fight uh, that I've seen him fight was when he took on tyreek uh and tyreek was able to uh go ahead and get a anaconda choke on him in the second round yeah, Ty of that fight.
0: professional debut yep
1: uh but I, i'm really high on Jules scott he's a super athletic guy very heavy hands he's fighting a guy in a.j covington uh who is five and one i believe uh, and he has a mixture of wins he has at least two knockouts and he has at least two Submissions. So I think it's going to be a very interesting fight. a fight that AJ lost. He lost by uh decision. So I mean, but I'm extremely high on Jules Scott. I think this is going to be a coming out party for Jewel Scott on uh on a very large platform.
0: Yeah, and what a great dude, too, right? Every time I've ever seen him, man, he's always super cordial. Great guy, great head on his shoulders. Oh,
1: absolutely. He's a great guy. I I like him a lot personally. I like him a lot as a fighter. Um he's training over at the Mid-City Martial Arts, yeah. which they're a phenomenal team guys, over there. Yeah. Sean Gayton, arguably the best black belt in the state of Louisiana.
0: We were talking about that earlier. You said in absolute class, number one? Yeah,
1: abs- absolute class. If I had to bet, I'm betting on Sean Gayton. Awesome. But he's, a, he's another product of the great Tim Crater mm-hmm. uh, from Gladiators Academy. I mean, he's
0: just, he has his fingers in everything. He's just one of those guys, one of those larger-than-life figures. You're right. We'll have more on this event, the Icon Fighting Federation card, in September. As uh, more fights are announced, we'll go in and break down each of those matchups as the event gets closer. Looking ahead now, we're going to go this Saturday, August 29th. The UFC returns to the Apex Center for UFC Fight Night, Smith versus Rakich. Prelims begin at 5 p.m. and the main card kicks off at 8 central standard time. Let's look at each of the main card matchups from this upcoming event and give the betting odds. And you and I will give our predictions. Take us a little peekaboo with that card.
1: Mm, mm, mm. The first thing we notice about this card is the most popular fighter isn't even the main event.
0: Mm, who you have got?
1: Oh, Robbie Lawler. Like, how is Robbie Lawler not the main event <laughs> on this card from... I mean, Anthony Smith, come on. now I like Anthony Smith, but come on.
0: Oh, first, who doesn't like Anthony Smith? Lawler, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, legend. There's not much uh, that you can say that hasn't already been said. However, at He has at this nothing
1: point, left to accomplish in
0: his career. Absolutely zero. But at this point, he's dropped three in a row, four out of his last five. This might be him dropping down just a little bit uh, and could be more taking on that gatekeeper role. Possibly, possibly. I I could could see that that's a pretty valid argument on him. First up on that main card, Russia's Magomed Ankaleyev, running it back with a Moldovan Ion Kutalaba. If you remember, their first meeting back on February 29th resulted in a controversial first round stoppage win for Ankaleyev. Ankaleyev landed a few head kicks early and Kutalaba was wobbling but appeared to be well in the fight. A lot of people think Kudalaba was kind of like fainting. Oh, that
1: that was that fight when he was like, I'm pretending to be drunk, and the ref kind of jumped
0: in. Yeah, so a standing knockout. It was referee Kevin McDonald, who's typically as good as they come, stepped in, called the fight. Kudalaba, obviously, in protest. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've seen McDonald officiating in the octagon since that fight.
1: I don't think we have either. I think that was a very controversial call. I mean... A lot of people don't understand that refereeing, in my opinion, is one of the hardest jobs to do. You have to be in complete control. You have to be everywhere at all times. You have to see every angle. And at the end of the day, it's not your job to decide who wins this fight. It's your job to make sure that both these fighters are protected to the best of your ability. And it's an extremely hard task to complete.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right about that. Although this is the first fight on that main card, this matchup has fight of the night potential written all over it. Ankalayev is 14 and one. And after losing his UFC debut to Paul Craig, he's racked up four straight. Kudalaba is 15 and five, but four and four in the UFC. And it seems like he just can't get that defining victory that he needs over a named opponent. He's lost uh, his fights to Misha Serkinov, Jared Cannonier, Glover Teixeira. I've got to take Ankolov. I think he gets the decision. Nick, how about you?
1: Um, I'm going to take Ankolov too. I think we're going to get some more of the same. I think he's going to wrap that leg around his head and actually make sure he goes out completely this time, especially because I think the referee is going to be a little more tentative to stop it. So he might get
0: a few extra shots. Might get a little extra flavor on there. (laughs) Next up, we've got Ricardo Lamas versus Bill Algeo. Betting odds are... Lamas is the minus 265 favorite. Algeo comes in as the plus 205 I'm not. I'm not
1: too familiar with Algeo. Go
0: ahead. Bring me up to speed on him. Yeah, sure. Um, Algeo's making his UFC debut. He's replacing Ryan Hall, who had to withdraw from this one because of an injury. Hall, of course, out of 50-50 martial arts. 50-50. Yeah. Martial arts academy ties to a few local guys. Vin and Ton Lee, Carlos Vera. Ton Lee getting ready to fight for the one championship. Oh, that absolutely, man. Uh, Ryan and Tan, obviously, having met off the Ultimate Fighter series. They actually moved up there and
1: lived there for a little while with them before they moved back on home.
0: Yeah, Algeo uh, fell short on Dana White's Contender Series last year, but he's getting another shot to impress the boss. He's 13-4, and uh, and he's no stranger to the big lights. He's fought with the World Series of Fighting, eight fights with the Cage Fury Fighting Championships. That's where Paul Felder and those guys are from in the Northeast. At 38 years old. It appears that Lamas' career has certainly seen better days. After going 18 and five with a huge first round knockout over Jason Knight back in 2017, Lamas has since lost three out of his last four. Those losses, however, did come at the hands of Josh Emmett, Mirshad Bektich, and most recently Calvin Cater. All of that being said, Lamas had the full camp. He's got a serious edge in experience. I'm going to go Ricardo Lamas. Yeah, absolutely. I think he gets the second round. Knockout, third matchup of the main card women's flyweight bout between South Korea's ji Yun Kim and Mexico's Alexa Grasso Grasso comes in at a minus 310 favorite Grasso the ultimate fighter Latin America three contestant she's gone three and three in the UFC most recently suffering a uh, majority decision loss to Carla Esparza back in September of last year Kim's three and two with the UFC She's coming off of a KO win by way of body punch over Nadia Kasim last October. Something to look out for this week is how Kim handles her cut down to 125. She's missed weight in her last two fights uh, by two pounds four and a half pounds the fight before that. So she's not just missing, but she's not even really getting close. Yeah, she's
1: a a, a bigger lady trying to get down here. Uh, I think that she's going to learn from those past two mistakes. And I think that she's going to show up. I think she's going to show out. And I think she's going to win this fight.
0: Yeah, if she can make weight and if she looks healthy, I think that she gets the upset. I'm picking Kim by decision. Co-main event, we've got Robbie Lawler taking on Neil Magny. This one should be an absolute banger, man. This one's going to be fun. Magney's won four out of his last five. He's racked up a stacked 16 and six record in the UFC, dating yep. back to 2013. He's got wins over Tim Means, Eric Silva, Kelvin Gastelum. He's a gamer. Yeah, dude. Hector Lombard, Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, just to name a few. As of uh as for Robbie Lawler, dude, there's nothing more that I can say about him that Absolutely. you guys don't Full already know. Career. He's dropped his last three, however, fallen short in four out of his last Four. that being said look if Robbie is in a fight he is in that fight yeah even
1: even when Robbie loses fights outside of when Tyrone Woodley put him to sleep in the very early seconds of that, of that, that title fight Robbie's usually in the fight he's usually there to fight you know you've been in a fight but with that being said I think this is going to be Neil throwing Robbie a retirement party I think it's going to be a banger I have Neil finishing Robbie in a second
0: well look to me, there's no doubt that Lawler still got a bad taste in his mouth from his performance against Colby Covington in his last fight. And also... Nothing nothing to be ashamed about because Colby Covington is that dude. Nothing to be ashamed about. But I would say that Lawler would have been a lot happier with a different type of defeat than the one that he got. Oh, that, they
1: I believe if Col- he fought Colby 10 times, Colby would do that exact same thing oh. to him 10 times.
0: And look... The fight before that was the controversial bulldog bulldog choke loss. Yeah, that was
1: Asford. that was that was a BS stoppage. I mean, it it was a weird angle that Herb had, yeah. but I mean, uh, I mean that changes the landscape for a lot of things because if Robbie
0: would have beat Ben, then you wouldn't
1: have had the resurgence of Masvidal.
0: Yeah, absolutely correct about that. I think that Lawler has a lot going on in this fight. I think he's got a lot to prove, and I think that he wants to remove that bad taste from those two his last two losses.
1: I agree with everything you're saying. I just don't think he's got the firepower to get it done, man.
0: It's going to be a tough one. Here's the kicker. I think it goes quick or Robbie loses. I've got Lawler getting the first round knockout.
1: All right. All right. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if Robbie does win yeah. this fight, but I just don't see him beating Neil Magny like that. Magny's oh a stud. my God. He's, he's a, he's a guy. And I think if Neil, when Neil beats Robbie, I think we need to see Neil with the major step up in competition. Man, top he's, five guy.
0: He's been in the UFC a lot longer than what most people think. And he's right. beaten everybody.
1: Right. He, he's a gamer. He shows up, he makes weight, he beats people. He doesn't do it flashy all the time, but he wins. And that's the name of the game
0: is, is win. Main event features a light heavyweight fracas between Anthony Smith and Austria's Alexander Rakic. After a sensational rise to the top ranks of the division, racking up wins over Hector Lombard, Rashad Evans, Mar- uh, Mauricio Shogunrua, Vulcan Ozdemir, Anthony Smith, look, explicably fell short in his title shot against John Jones at UFC 235. Uh, in his next fight, Smith earned performance of the night honors in a submission win over Alexander Gustafson. Then came that fight with Glover Teixeira, which undoubtedly left most of us with some form of post traumatic stress. Bro, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to listen to Return of the Mac Return of the Mac again without feeling sick. That's you know Smith's walkout song. When I hear that song, what I think about is not just Smith being pummeled for twenty plus minute, minutes. I think of him grabbing his teeth off the canvas and handing them to the referee, saying, "Hey man, hold these for me, so that oh. after the fight, I can get them from you and have them inserted back into sur- surgically implanted back into my mouth." Oh, that's a that's a that's a rough image, dude. Again. It's not even that I listen to a lot of, like, 90s R&B. However, if I'm in a place and that song comes on, I'm, I think I'm out of there, man. I'm hightailing it. because. <laughs> <laughs> so, Reykjic will be making his way to the Octagon for the sixth time. Uh, and he had impressive wins over Devin Clark and Jimmy Madua before tasting defeat for the first time in the UFC. With a decision lost to Vulcan Uzdemir last December I don't know if you remember that fight with Jimmy Manawa. It was like a one-two combination followed by a head kick that yeah. absolutely plastered him.
1: And I, I, it was it was weird to watch that land on Manawa. Like Jimmy usually doesn't allow that to happen to him. It was one of those freaky fights that had happened, and he got the win, and, and good for him. Uh, then he fought Volkanov, and uh, things changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Close decision. Close. Very, very close fight. Before joining the big show, Rakic fought in both Germany and Austria, including... A win back in 2014 over Marsheen now, who we talked about earlier in the show. Dude, as much as I'd like to see Anthony Smith rebound here, I don't know how he I beats got S- I got Smith by knockout. Awesome.
1: I've got, look, I don't know that. I got Smith throwing those inhibitions to the wind and trying to catch that beautiful butterfly. Oh, did you see? Landed, what- landed, landed, landed one of those big old paws he has and putting this kid to sleep. I that's how I see that happening because I think it's do or die for Smith. Yeah. And I think Smith realizes this he loses if smith loses this fight you're an undercard guy you're one step away from being cut especially in this division that's not very deep like you have to win in a not deep division jones vacates he's moving up the heavyweight the belt's up for grabs there's really this is not this in my opinion this is probably the weakest division outside of the heavyweight division in the ufc it's like there's not too many killers at 205 like The top guys are clearly separated from the rest of the pack. So you have to separate yourself. You have to show in every single outing, like, Hey, I'm one of the top tier guys. I deserve to be the main event of this fight. I deserve to fight the top guys in the world. I deserve the title shot. Why am I not fighting for the belt
0: right now? Adds a whole new level to this fight. Absolutely. Having Jones vacate the title. This is for contendership.
1: Exactly. Like you have the, arguably the greatest fighter of all time. And John Jones has officially said, all right, I'm tired of torturing you guys. I'm gonna move on to bigger to the to a bigger weight class, and you guys have at it. The boogeyman is gone. Anybody can emerge to be the king of this particular weight class. So it's a very exciting time to be a UFC light heavyweight champion. Because let's be honest, when people fought John Jones, whether you loved him or hate him, you knew Jones was gonna mop the floor with him. It just it is what it is. Yep. It's wide open now, it's obtainable.
0: Smith has never lost back-to-back fights in the UFC. He commented on that today. He said after the loss, he goes in there with nothing nothing metaphorically to lose. Has never lost back-to-back in the UFC. Still, I'm going with Rakich by decision. Nick, that about does it for us. Second episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast is in the books. Don't forget to follow us on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Sport focus and visit our website, focus.com New episodes are dropping every Friday, so subscribe to and share this podcast on anchor.fm, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jeffrey Until Hoffman. Sweet. week, this is Nicholas Sherlock. Thank you guys so much for listening.